episode 115. Welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent. Well, today we travel to Buffalo, New York, and visit with the mega-talented lady who just completed a full-length album from here. Yes, 13 original songs accompanied by legendary producer Stuart Epps. Here she is, it's Christina Custodi. Have you heard the news? There is a brand new musical act out on the airwaves called Mercy. This is something that you have never heard before. It's spiritual. It's the truth unleashed. With scripture delivered by Christine Mercy, along with drums, guitars, pianos, violins, and vocals from singer-songwriter James Kevin O'Connor. Yes, a little bit of heaven on earth, and just in time. Behold, the brand new single from the forthcoming album, I Am Victorious. Yes, Jesus came, he saw, he taught, he preached, he healed, he suffered unimaginable torture, and not only defeated the evils of Satan, but he won the entire war for the entire world. And as he stated in the song, I'm going home, back to the throne, victorious, it's glorious. I've many rooms in my father's house for all of us. It's glorious. Learn to trust in his name. I Am Victorious, the new single, is out now and available on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. Recorded just weeks ago on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Download the single I Am Victorious right now on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. And keep your eyes open for the full album release coming soon. Featuring Come, Bless You, Amen, I'm Afraid, It Is Finished, And yes, the title track, I Am Victorious, available right now. Go to iTunes, CD Baby, or Amazon and download your copy of I Am Victorious today. And keep your eyes and ears open for the new band, Mercy, coming to a venue near you soon. This message is sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Okay, on the Dharmic Evolution today, another East Coaster. It's been a while, man. So I am delighted to have Christina Custodi from, and you are from Niagara Falls, is it? Yep, Niagara Falls, New York. Wow, and I'm so embarrassed. I've lived in New Jersey all these years, and I'm, I'm such a fan of all of New York, and I've never made it to Niagara Falls. I should be ashamed of myself. Well, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution, Christina. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I'm checking out your stuff, man. You are you are blowing up here. This your music is just awesome. So, um, before we get into some of your songs, tell me about the long and winding road of how you became the Christina Custodi that so many people know and love today. Um, well, I've always had a passion for music from when I was a little girl. Um, my dad was a musician, so. There was constantly music in the house. Um, I thought it was normal for people to have bands in their basements, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, when I was about six or seven years old, I asked for a toy piano, and I loved it. It was my favorite thing. And so when I was about eight, my dad said, you know, if you really want to take this seriously, if you really love it, why don't we get you a real piano? Uh, so we did, and he said, well, if, if I get you a piano, then you, of course, have to take piano lessons um, right. So did I that did. scare you or you were uh, okay? With I mean, it? I was, I was eight years old. I was right. getting a piano. I was excited. I loved the toy. So this is just going to be bigger and better. Right. 
Right. So I, I willingly signed up for the lessons and I loved it. And I fell in love with the piano and I fell in love with music. And uh, from a very early age with my first teacher, I remember I would rewrite the endings to like the little exercises in the book. And I remember going in and saying, um, well, this is how it's written, but this is how I think it should go. Wow. And so she, you had the songwriter gene right away. And she would kind of laugh and, yeah. and, you know, okay, Christina, well, that's very nice, you know, and was very supportive and let me, you know, do this sort of a, of an exercise in my lessons. And then I kind of um, focused more on classical performance and found myself going to the Eastman School of Music as a piano major. And toward the end of my um, college experience, I started writing songs and a friend of mine said, you know, you're, you're pretty good at this. Maybe you should spend a little more time writing and take it a little more seriously. And I was playing in a cover band and the bassist kept pushing me and pushing me. She kept saying, well, I know you're writing. So when are we going to get to play your music? And one day I gave it a try in a little bar on, in Buffalo and some girl came up to me at the end and said, oh, I really liked that last song. Who wrote it? You know, and or who does that song? And I was kind of bashful. And I said, oh, well, that was actually me. So thanks. A bar in Buffalo was where it all started. So, <laughs> hey, everybody, let's give you a little slice of what Christine is all about. And this one is called All For Her. Check this out. What is he got a hell of a girl? What is she's gone and changed your world? She wears your ring much better than me. She's everything you always wanted me to be. She makes you laugh and you make her smile. She's your better half. Well, at Take your plastic smile and your downcast eyes Save your words, you'll only start the truth But end in lies and save your reasons For somebody who believe them Save it all for her So did you shake? And you took one Was her reaction Everything you wanted it to be
Save it all for her. All for her. <laughs> Tell us about that, Christina. What's going on with that song? Um, this song was actually the result of a final phone call. Um, I had literally bumped into my person with another person. And hours later, he had called me and was giving me this big spiel and... I remember saying, save it all for her. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> and it was the last time that I think we ever had a very long conversation. And uh, they went on to form a relationship together. And I went on to write this song. <laughs> right, right. So it was it was very, um, it was baptism of fire for like, you know, you just put this all to rest with this song uh, and made it made a kind of a big statement about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and funny funny thing is, I guess, I kind of heard through the grapevine that they had listened to it together after the fact. And I always wonder how that conversation went, you know, like right. there were obviously parts she wasn't going to care for, um, but it is what it is. And that's what's so beautiful about songwriting is you never know what, what moment and what opportunity and time is going to present itself with, um, you know, a beautiful story and a great song. Right, right. It is it is a very cathartic and healing way to uh, to deal with emotions that sometimes you just don't know what to do with them, you know, like in uh, and music kind of puts everything where it belongs, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about um, going to Eastman School um, in Rochester, Eastman School of Music. Tell, tell me about that experience. How was that for you? It was it was I mean. Any conservatory that you go to, any of, of the big kind of musical establishments that are big in, in the States or in other places, they're challenging. I mean, they are no joke. You get there and, you know, everybody's at the top of their game in their own little pond. And then they throw you into this whole new environment where you're no longer the the, the, the A-dog, right? I right. mean, there's people that play circles around you and people tend to do really well in that environment or they tend not to. Um, for me, I was inspired by it. I saw all these other great musicians and I was like, wow, that's incredible. One day I hope that I can play the way you play. And, you know, I was just in awe and so incredibly just inspired by the amount of talent that was in that building. And you, you identify your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, and you kind of, 
figure out who you are, not only as a person, but also as a musician. And you learn to recognize the value in other musicians and what they bring to the table. Right. And I, I think that's the best thing that I learned out of all my time there. I mean, of course, you know, I was studying classical piano and, and I got to spend eight hours a day with a piano. And now looking back on that, I would kill to have that kind of time and to be able to just dedicate hours of my day to playing. Um, and it teaches you a lot about who you are, your relationship with your instrument, and also your relationship with other musicians in the world. Yeah, you mentioned that you um, you were playing with a girl that played the bass, who said, "Hey, let's 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 do this. Let let me hear your songwriting." So, was it an all girl band, or was it a combination of different uh, different genders? No, this time. Um it wasn't an all-girl band. It just so happened that my bassist was female. Uh -huh. I think, um, you know, gender in music is a very interesting thing. Yeah. But it just so happened that our band was flipped. We had two girls and a guy. And we were actually um, a cover band. We were supposed to be a cover band. We'd go out on the weekends and play what everybody wanted to hear on the radio. And it was it was a great, great time. We met a lot of really cool people doing it. And I just remember her looking at me every gig after gig and she'd say okay like when are we gonna do it i know you're writing because i was kind of secretly writing at that time i wasn't really open about it i wasn't sharing um i was just kind of writing to my for myself and playing for myself and she said you know let, let's just try it and i remember the first time we did that i didn't even announce that it was one of my own songs i just kind of you know snuck it into the set list right. this way if, if the roof fell down it was okay. I could say, oh, yeah, that wasn't good. I don't know who wrote that song. You know, <laughs> I left myself an escape route, you know, yeah. but that's not what happened. So yeah, it was it's an kind old, of a funny. It was an old B-side from somebody else. Way yeah, back, don't, you know? don't, don't pick that one up. You know, <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> so, so in the first time that you got that kind of, um, you know, that you got that appreciation back from, you know, people uh, witnessing your skills as a songwriter, that must have been like really, really just amazing for you, right? Sure. And, and I think part of it does go back to my classical training where it's never about you. It's always about the music, right? right? So you try to remove your ego from the performance and you try to remove yourself and just do what's best for the song and the music. And so that navigating that switch between this is very personal and this is something that I'm doing just for art and then melding them together was, was an interesting phase to navigate. And what was lucky for me, I guess, is that it was so instant. The first time I ever played one of my songs in public, I immediately got that reinforcement from a stranger. Right. And I think in a lot of times that just doesn't happen. And maybe the stars aligned and that girl was supposed to be in that bar the day that I was supposed to try this out for the first time and was, you know, barely breathing behind the piano, let alone playing or singing. Um, but I think having that immediate feedback from the audience was definitely very helpful in the path that I've continued to take. So, so, the, so tell me about the scene with Buffalo. This was in Buffalo, right? So how is the Buffalo bar music slash scene? How is it up there? 
It's great. I mean, uh-huh. Buffalo has always been known for great music, especially for great indie indie music coming out of here. I mean, you think back, you have Ani DeFranco, um, the Goo Goo Dolls. I mean, we've got some great music cooking and starting up in this area. And there's a lot of other great groups um, that are coming up now. There's a lot of cover music. There's a lot of bands that want cover music, but there's also a lot of opportunities to try your own stuff and and you know, at this point, I'm a completely original artist. Um, so when people come to my show, they know that they're going to hear music by me, written by me, performed by me, and they love it. They dig it. So it's a great vibe for music up here. See, that's that's great. I mean, you're in a place where people know and expect and love that. And that's the difference, you know, when people come to, you know, they want to hear you. They want to hear you sing. And, yeah, and absolutely. Music. Yeah. And I mean, some of them, you know, they'll ask for a cover. They're like, hey, you used to do this song years ago. Would you do it again for me? Uh, absolutely. That's not a problem. I mean, I <laughs> I'm all, I love music. So it's not like I'm I'm not performing other people's music or you know, I, I love all sorts of music. So if there's ever a song at a show that someone wants to hear, they feel comfortable enough coming and asking. And usually they'll get what they want. Sometimes they won't. I'll say, right. you know, it's not going to happen today. But most of the time, I'm happy to uh, to oblige. Yeah, we. I had um, Katie Ann was on my show, DE54, another artist from Buffalo. So Buffalo's starting to make a, a grand um, imprint on the Dharmic Evolution, which I'm happy to see. <laughs> um, tell me about like the kind of venues, uh, Christine, like what's the best place to play uh in buffalo is it bars is it is the performance houses you know like where where do you guys go end up coffee houses yeah there's there's i think the beautiful thing is that there's a really good mix depending on the type of show that you want to do and the type of audience that you're looking to attract um for me one of my favorite venues is the hard rock that they have down um, right at the brink of the falls. It's a beautiful venue. Their stage is great. The sound system is amazing. They've got a super professional sound guy. You know, if you're going to do a big show, I always pick the hard rock just because the professional staff, the equipment that they have, the sound that they can get out of a live performance. Um, but there's also some beautiful little intimate places. When where you say you can, the hard rock, it's a hard rock yeah. cafe. Yes. Oh, yes, cool. Yes, yes. Oh, I didn't yeah. know there was one up there. Great. Yeah, there's Great. one and it's it's really beautiful. Nice. And so how about um, the intimate places? What are they like? They're nice. They're yeah. a little bit quieter. They're a little bit smaller. It gives you more of an opportunity to have that personal connection and more of a conversation Um in between your set, like if you're going as a solo artist or even a duo, there's some really great places around here that you can just kind of pop in and you'll hear some great music and maybe get to talk to the person. And it's a little less of, of a big spectacle of a show. Great. Now I want to talk nice a little spectacle. bit about your album too. Uh, From Here, the name of the album. You got 13 original songs on it. Congratulations on that. I love full albums. And a lot yeah. of people, we're in, the, we're in the age of EPs, as you know, everybody does EPs. And, you know, the age it's of the like, single. It's not even the EP yeah, anymore. It's the single, you know? I'm you're like, right. Oh. You're absolutely right. So I, what I want to ask you is um, that you sold out your physical CDs within the first 10 months of release on your first EP. So yeah. for all of those out there struggling and working really hard to push their physical products, what was the secret to doing this for you? 
Um, the secret for me was live shows. I okay. sell a lot of merch at live shows. I right. think it's something about being able to make that personal connection. Right. And people are there. They're in the moment. They love you. They want to buy your product. They want to take a little bit of you home with them. And I think having a good product that looks good, that feels good, and that you're proud of, and that you can confidently give to your listener and say, hey, you're really going to love this. I think that's the secret to it. I agree because, um, uh, and I always ask, you know, I, I love to keep these kind of conversations going on this show, just asking other artists. And um, most of them all say the same thing. It's like, listen, I like to support other artists as well as perform. So when I go, I want to buy their, I want to take home something yep. in my hand and say, this is a memento, a token, a memory that I'm going to cherish and listen to this music. So um, right, you're almost selling a continuation of your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's really great. I mean, um, back in the day when it was all like physical, um, actually vinyl, um, the, the days when I was growing up, it was like, you know, nobody was into TV, uh, like it is today. They were into let's get together and the new, whatever the new Zeppelin album out yeah. is out. And we, we sat down and, you know, you make a whole evening out of it for like four hours. You sit and look at liner notes and, and tear the album apart and play it like yeah. six times, you know? And, um, there was something about having that in the artwork and, and reading about the artist and all, which was kind of cool, you know? And, um, yeah. so I'm glad that, you know, that's not gone away. I mean, it's gotten more, um, it's easier to, to package it and so forth. So tell me about you on the road. I mean, are you doing any like touring right now or where are you in your career right now? Just right in this snapshot in time. Right. So at this current snapshot, I'm expanding more regionally for sure. Um, back in April, I did a tour. I went all the way down to Nashville through Ohio and Kentucky and played, 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 and then turned around and came all the way back. Um, and now I'm doing more. They're almost like little puddle jump experiences. Right. And so how, um, did, how did you find that, the Nashville experience? Oh, that, you know, that was really cool. Um, the whole experience of being on tour and having your gear in the car and driving for five, six hours, getting out of the car, getting to the venue, going back home, sleeping, getting up the next day and doing it again for an entire, you know, seven, 10 day streak was an excellent experience. Um, and you got to experience different areas of town. You got to experience different types of listeners, different venues. Um, and having that constant flow between one place to the next was really valuable. Um, and now I'm doing more, like I said, they're almost like puddle jump experiences where I'll go in and I'll do a show and then I'll come out and I'll go in and do a show and come out. And I've been playing a lot in New York City. Um, I've got a show coming up on the 22nd back in the city again. So I'll be in New York. Um, I was recently in Toronto. I just did um, something over in Cape Cod. So I'm kind of in the Northeast region right now. And I'm trying to go back to the same places more consistently so I can really form a bond with my listeners in the area. And who knows, maybe a larger tour um, will be in the works coming up in the next few months or so. But right now I'm really enjoying trying to connect with my audience um, in the Northeast. Where are you playing in, uh, in the city? In the city on October 22nd, I will be at Cafe Vivaldi, which is a beautiful, beautiful little venue. Nice. Congratulations on that. That's great. And, uh, you know, I think it's time to play another one. Check this one out from Christina. Thank you. 
awesome song. Hey, do you write <laughs> do, you, do you write everything on piano? I do. Everything yeah. for me always starts with the piano. It's yeah. just where I go first. I had a feeling. Yeah. Do you do any other instruments or is piano your your main thing? No, I, I'm a pianist through and through. Right. I, I've tried, you know, a friend of mine gave me a guitar and I picked it up and I was like, this is, I know, not for me. I, <laughs> it just feels so unnatural and I can't even hold the darn thing, let alone do anything of meaning with it. And I, I think when you've spent so many years with one instrument, you know, the piano and I are in a monogamous relationship. I, yeah. It wouldn't feel right anywhere else. <laughs> Well, you're, I tell you, your music is just really wonderful, and I can kind of, I can kind of hear that by the compositions. Um, you know, you've got just real command of harmony and um, and melody combined. Tell me Thank about you. the studio, Stuart Epps. Give us the the lowdown. What's going on there, girl? Yeah, so that was really a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, Stuart is based out of the UK and I am a US artist, obviously. And so we had connected through, um, I don't know if it, I think it was Music X-Ray, some platform where he reached out to me. He had found my music and had reached out to me and said, hey, listen, I really like your sound. I would love to work with you. Um, here's how this goes. And the, the basic process was that I would send him my, my tracks from here and I would record them. I actually recorded them at uh, Robbie Takek's studio right here in Buffalo, um, GCR, a beautiful studio, state yeah, of the art. Yeah, I heard and about that studio. It's, Great. It's gorgeous. So I was able to record in, in my home studio, and then I would send my tracks to Stuart, and then he would send his tracks to me. And there was a lot of Skyping and a lot of talking and a lot of... Um, you know, technology really helped us form something beautiful because right. we were able to kind of discuss things in real time and, you know, kind of manipulate how what I was hearing with what he was hearing. And we were able to collaborate together to come up with, um, you know, each individual track and then put them together as an album. It was really an incredible experience. Wow. it's You know, it's it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, saving so much on flights and hotel and all of that stuff um and and very expensive studio time as well but um that's great that you got this done uh with the talents of Stuart that's really amazing um, yeah and it's always interesting to hear what other people hear in my music I'm the sort of writer where you know I have a very clear vision but I'm never close-minded and he brought a lot to the table that I was like, you know what? I never thought of a harp, but that's beautiful. I love it. And I love that line. And, you know, let's just change the cadence. So it's like this and let's just rework the phrase. And I love it. So it was really nice to have a different set of ears from the other side of the world contributing to my project. Yeah. Isn't that a rush when you, um, when you have somebody that you respect come in and they, they bring something and you just don't know what like the end product is going to be. And then it's like, wow, I, I never even considered this sounding the way it does, but I'm so happy now that it does. Right. And, and there are certain things that, you know, this is the way it has to be as the writer. This is how I've heard it from the song's conception. Right. And there are some things when you write it, you know, those, those things are not going to change. Um, but I, I am in no means the end the end all be all of all things that are music. You know, if someone has a good idea and I like it, I'm like, yes, let's do it. I love that. That's fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> well, you dig? Is she amazing or what? We'll get right back to my interview with Christina in just a second. You know, in today's world, most people are struggling with something. It may be someone in your life who has a serious illness, a family member who has been incarcerated, death of a loved one, job loss, or one of the many, many challenges we find ourselves immersed in. 
There is good news, however, and I'm here to tell you about Christine Mercy, spiritual teacher, seminary professor, and songwriter. Christine Mercy, who loves and deeply cares for all people, regardless of race, age, or creed. Dr. Mercy has a powerful ministry called Mercy Worldwide Ministries. This ministry cares for the sick and the dying and the disabled. If you have a need for prayer or perhaps a project that requires support, reach out today at mercyworldwideministries.com. Let's face it, we all need a trusted mother figure to give us a hand up from time to time. Reach out to mercyworldwideministries.com today and check out the programs and resources available to you. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Yeah, so do you spend a lot of time at the um, at the studio, uh, Robbie's studio up in uh, up in Buffalo? Do you go there there often? You know, when I when I record, I'm there quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, I try to go. I, I'm not I'm not really a, a studio liver. I know a lot of artists, you know, get in there and bring the cot with them and, you know, cook lunch in there and <laughs> kind of right. lock down for a period of time. I, I think it's because I do a lot of my composition and I'm very thorough with it before I bring it in. Right. Um, when I go into a studio, I know exactly what I'm recording. I know what parts are laying down. I know when the, mus- the musicians are coming, what they're playing. They have clear parts written. We have rehearsed hours before we go in there. So when we go in there, it's really clean. Everybody does their job. Um, I find a studio, I'm not as creative in a studio as I am working with my piano outside with my pen and paper. Um, So for me, the creative process definitely happens before the studio and then we record. And then I always like to listen and listen back and rework. And that's where my creativeness in the studio kind of come together is after the bare bones are down and I can sit back and listen and say, okay, well, now let's add this. And, you know, that wasn't so hot. Let's take that out and um, manipulate it there. So you are a girl that works hard on pre-production. Yeah, I do. And and especially when, when it comes to the music, I think my piano parts are always th- like thoroughly composed. It's It's not, you know... It's nothing's up for question when I get into the studio because I want I want it to be professional and I want everybody to feel confident in what they're playing because once you're confident, then you can start making music and you can start making art, right? Once the bare bones are down and you know exactly, you know, your muscles got it, your body feels good, everything is where it needs to be, then you can bring something truly artistic to the studio. A girl after my own heart. We are, we have perfectly aligned paradigms. I, I agree the, the same thing. You shouldn't be in there like leaving a question mark about the bridge that the musicians have to figure out. What are they trying to express here? I mean, it should be like yeah. just very, very clear. And then you're right. Then Then they can like relax and say, well, now I can bring my arsenal of talents into this song, you know, yeah. uh, not be I, I trying think- to figure it out. I think a lot of that, you know, goes to my classical training where, you know, you're working on, on a huge etude. And so what do you do? You sit and you get all the nuts and bolts out of the way. And then once you, you have that under your belt, then you make music. You know, the notes aren't, aren't the music. It's what you do with the notes that make it something truly memorable that means something. And I think that's just been something that has transferred, um, you know, from a very young age and all the way through my time at Eastman, all the way up through my career. 
Great. Tell me about like the best gig that you ever had, like small place, big place. Um, wh- where was the best place or the most, you know, experience that you carried around and just said, wow, that was a gig to, I wish they were all like that. Cause I know a lot of us play gigs that we just would <laughs> like to forget about sometimes. Yeah. And, that's part of the deal. I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, wow, God, I was just horrible tonight. What was that? I was trying to do, you know, and you go, and you go like, yeah. what, why am I doing this? And then, uh, and then you, you, you pick yourself up, dust yourself off and you go on. But like, what was the best one for you that you can remember? That's a hard question because there's so many that stick out for different reasons. Okay. Well, Um, how about this? And I've, I've had a bunch of different experiences too, where like there's big festivals that are amazing because you have 2000 people that are standing in front of you listening and, you know, applauding and just the sheer amount of people that are there that later come and buy your music. You know, that's an incredible experience. Um, But I've also had really touching moments that have happened in smaller venues where there's maybe, you know, a smaller amount of people, like 30, 40, 50 people in the room, whatever, but they're all listening. Yeah. To me, it doesn't matter. I'd rather play to a room of like 25 people that are listening and are engaged and that I can reach and connect with and we could share something um, than play to, you know, a mass of, you know, 500 people that are just trying to get their drink at the bar and you're just wallpaper. You know, I can't stand that anymore. I can't, it makes me sick. Even when I'm out and I see other musicians, I'm like, Hey guys, there's like real people playing instruments in the corner. I don't know. Maybe we should pay attention. Uh, It's important what they're doing. Um, I, I, I always feel like, like an old grandpa when I say that, like, you know, everybody should be listening to the music, but I, I feel that way. If there are artists anywhere the best thing you can do is listen to them. And it, I don't think it matters. I mean, there's different factors in a venue. Like, how is the sound system? How is the stage? Do they have a piano? A venue with a real piano has my heart. Yeah, Because right. there's, I, I love my keyboard and I love the portability of it. And I love the option that I can bring my instrument with me. But I enjoy playing a piano. I am a pianist. I am not a keyboardist or, you know. Right. Um, I, I, I go out with one keyboard and it's very heavily weighted and it sounds like a piano. I, I don't even use different sounds, really. I, I'm i a pianist. And right. so if a venue has a piano, they're like way up there. Even if it's an old clunky piano, that piano's got a story. And when I sit down and play it, I play different on different pianos because that's how the instrument and I are connecting. And I think there's something beautiful with that. So, you know, how is a sound system? Is a sound guy nice? Is there a piano? Um, how many people are in the house? How many people that are in the house are actually listening to the music that's happening? Right. Um, there's a lot of different factors for sure that play into, for me, what makes a show successful. But the most important one is, did I connect with anybody personally? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's so, it. Bottom line. And, and you know, that's the best thing when people come up and say, you know, I was very inspired by what you just played. And, um, and I want to know more about you. So they look at you and they genuinely are interested in the story and the music, you know. And, yeah, and, and sometimes it, they don't even have to say anything. Sometimes you could just look at someone when you're on a stage and you could tell by the way their head is tilted and the way their eyes are kind of watching you that you've hit something. Because a lot of people won't come up and talk to you after. Right. Um, uh, some do and some won't. And that's. That's just how people are, I guess. Some are shy and they just don't know how to, they don't know how to connect, but it doesn't mean they didn't take something away with them. They, you might've hit their high water mark and I think it's time to play (laughs) high water. Here we go with Christina. 
Just another Monday Driving down the middle of the street And he's counting down the hours Staring at the clock Waiting on the week And he never laughs Never smiles or sleeps Just counting down the hours Staring at the clock Waiting on the week And they say, boy You better make it Say, boy, you better go far. And yet it's hard living on the bottom. And yet it's hard when no one sees who you are. Become hell or high water. He's gonna make it out of here. He's gonna make it. Another Thursday, working on the corner of the street And she's counting down the cars, staring at the lights, trying not to speak And they never ask what she'd rather be So she's counting down the cars, staring at the lights, trying not to speak And they say, girl
Come hell or high water, gonna make it out of here. Yes, indeed. I gotta read this one. Ah, a breath of fresh air. Amongst a number of predictable tracks I've been critiquing, finally a track with true emotion, serious talent, and major commercial potential. Beautiful lyrics that have been very well constructed and perfectly delivered by a fantastic voice oozing with passion, emotion, and charm. That is Martin Ellis from the UK writing about you, Christina. Awesome track. <laughs> Love that track. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's one of my favorites, and it's kind of become um, a fan favorite. The song, you know, came out of another another organic experience where I was playing in a bar, and it was March, and it was really cold and rainy. And a young couple walked in, and the guy was wearing an extremely expensive suit and a miserable face. And the <laughs> young, yeah, the young woman he was with, um, it, it was March, and it was cold. It's rainy and, and slushy and snowy. Yeah. And she didn't have on enough clothes for how cold it was. Right. And I remember sitting there looking at the bartender, and we kind of looked at this couple. And it was just a miserable night as far as the weather went. And this couple came in, and there was something that was just off about the two of them. And I watched them the whole night. And I had my piano on, on my back, and I was leaving the establishment. And I looked at the bartender, and I said, you know what? come hell or high water, we're all going to make it out of here. And I left and on the way in the car, you know, the hook, the hook kind of came to me and I sat down, I was exhausted. It was the end of the night and I wrote just the chorus of high water. And the next morning I woke up and the whole song just kind of flowed. Wow. Just, um, and, yeah, yeah, just from that experience. experience. Yeah. 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 It was great. It was really, really good song. So tell me about um, production on that one. Uh, the Usual Suspects. I mean, was yes. this Stuart on this one? This was this was Stuart. Yeah, yeah. this was Stuart. And this, I, I knew that this this track was kind of special to him because he kind of came to me and said, you know, I really love High Water, you know, in, in his own way. Right. And he said, I really think, you know, this should be a, a really big song for you in a lot of ways. And I think you should do a music video for it. And I froze on the other side of the Skype line. I froze. I was like, um... You want me to do a video? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we all we all see those those music videos, and I, I think as musicians, I, I don't know, I don't want to be acting out and like singing along to the song. And you see the videos that are like, you know, you're throwing a big concert and someone's in a barn, and you know, there's like a big party going on. And I said, okay, well, if I'm gonna do a video, I want it to be authentic to to me, and I want it to show. Um, the story, because for me, the song and the music revolves so much about the story, especially for that for that one, considering where it came from. Right. Um, so I remember looking for videographers and trying to find a style and a look that I liked. And then I had this idea that I wanted to be playing outside. I wanted to have a real piano outside. I got this idea in my head. And my dad's like, we live in Buffalo. You can't put a piano outside like that's <laughs> ridiculous like where are we gonna find an outside piano and so i found those painted pianos um pianos in public there it's a big movement that's happening in a lot of the big cities and buffalo has a pianos in public program and so i, I had to wait for the pianos to come back out of winter hibernation you know they can't stay outside in the winter so they yeah. were all locked away and um, we kind of made a plan to use these beautiful painted public pianos and um, tell the story as well and kind of put it together in a way that showcased, um, you know, my, my love for 
for the city and for the people in the city and just the spirit that, you know, we're all going to get to where we want to be come hell or high water. <laughs> right, right. So, so is that video out now? Yeah, the video this... is out. It's on my website under videos. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so that that exists. It's in the world. It was the most terrifying thing I had ever done because I I mean, I had done musicals and stuff and I had acted, but there's something about being yourself in front of a camera that is completely different from when you're portraying somebody else, you know. Yeah. W- when you're acting, you're you're somebody else, you're a character, you have lines you scripted. This is okay, so now not only are we publicly singing about my life, but now we're going to slap a camera in front of you and and try to <laughs> make that look okay. You know, I it was it was really it was a blast to do and I worked with um promotional productions and Kyle Toth and th- th- talk about talent and videography. They're really incredible above the bar sort of people. And right. I think when you put a bunch of professionals in in a in an environment together, w- you're able to be creative and relax and everything just kind of comes together. Um so that video's out there and uh, <laughs> It's just a little bit of pressure to put it all together, right? And do it tastefully. <laughs> sure, and that's yeah. the thing is that I wanted it to be tasteful. I didn't want to look at it and be ashamed of it or to look at it and say, "Wow, what was I thinking? That was really cheesy or that's not me or that's something that I can't stand behind for a number of years." You know, because as a musician and as an artist, you're building your career. It's not just a splash in time. It's, you know, I want to to build a career that is stable and that has longevity. And I don't want to put anything out there ever that I'm going to look back on and be like, oh, I'm really disappointed in that. And now in the day of digital technology, it's literally there forever. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it is important because, you know, like you said, it, it's got legs and you don't want to wake up 10 years from now and say, I should have never put that out. You know, you always want to be proud of it. Hey, speaking of proud of it, we got to get another one in here. Let's play Wasting My Time. Down. 
get through to you but i feel like i'm wasting my time wow that is a great song really really love that song so um so give me the backstory on that one christina what was that about uh well i mean i think it's pretty self-explanatory <laughs> yeah, I <know>. it's, um, <laughs> the song is it I think that's part of the beauty of my writing, too, is there's not a lot left to the imagination. I'm a little brutal right. with what I put out there, and I'm very straightforward. I, I'm that way in, in normal conversation, and I think I'm that way in my writing, too. There is some you know, esoteric and artistic clouds in my coffee stuff going on in moments, but usually it's very to the point and very straightforward. Um, and I remember the person that I was that I was with that the song was based around was oblivious and I would play this live in different venues and like it never sunk in that it was about him right Uh, you know and I remember just being like how could you miss this I'm literally singing it in public places to other people and you're there how are you missing it and I guess you know when the planets don't line up the planets don't line up (laughs) yeah yeah it's kind of like um it's kind of like uh earlier in my career and i played with musicians who um you know they were like in my band and they they didn't know the lyrics and then one day somebody read one of them it was just laying there because you know you always have pads out and stuff yeah yeah yeah, and and the light bulb went off he was like oh my god this is about and it was a Christian thing. And, you know, I wasn't writing Christian songs at the time, but it happened to be. And he was like in shock. And I'm like, you've, I'm saying to myself, you, you've only played that like, you know, I don't know how many dozens of times and never even, you know, because um, and, and I think that's kind of the tell that you're with people that you don't belong with. You know, if they're not into your world, then there's something like you said, the planets are not lined up properly. Yeah. And, you know? and so that was one of the songs. And I remember working on it. And, you know, I wanted this, this, this big drum feel kind of like the Lion King, like from the minute yeah. that the song started to come to me, I was like, I want big drums. And here we are a three piece band and I'm telling my drummer, no, it needs to be bigger. Yeah. Like, Where are <laughs> your kettle drums? drums? Yes. I'm like, don't you, <laughs> didn't you bring the timpani with you? Like, hello, we're working on this today. You know, um, so it, it was always interesting to try to get the right sound. And we finally got it, you know, for our live performances. He's using like these huge, huge mallets, like felt orchestral mallets yeah. on his big toms, you know, and it finally gives you that sound. Um, but it, it's funny how, how songs kind of come to you in a very distinct way sometimes. And it, I remember he would play. I'm like, nope, that's not it. And take out another pair of sticks. How about this? Nope, still not it. You know? <laughs> right, right. So you know what you want. Your your brain is already locked into that sound. That's the first thing that grabbed me when this song started. I was like, wow, this this sounds so orchestral, you know, and big. And uh, it just has a majestic uh, uh, flave to it, you know. Hey, I yeah. want to ask you, we're, we're getting like close to the end, but I want to ask you about social media. What do you do yes. on social media? And is it, are you, is it helping you perpetuate your career? And what are you doing uh, on social media these days? I, I am doing everything on social media. Okay. It's kind of the joke that 
Um, you know, if I'm not posting something, there's something wrong. I, I have a very active Twitter, an extremely active Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook, obviously. Uh, also, I have a Tumblr. I have no idea what that is or what it does, but yeah. I have one of those. I have a Snapchat. Um, it's exhausting, the yeah. amount of social media. And I think... I think it does help us connect with people, and I think it allows people to get an inside view of my world outside of what they see from on the stage. Um, I also do a video blog every single Tuesday. Um, I've been doing it for over a year, and every Tuesday I sit down and I have a cup of tea and I talk about Sometimes people will send me questions and I'll kind of answer them. Sometimes if I like when I did the tour, I grabbed video from the tour. Um, Where do you post weekend, your blog, Christina? It, it's all on YouTube. And if oh, you go okay. to everything is on ChristinaCustody.com. And if you go under the, the candid section of the website, you'll see there's a written blog that I do. The video blog is updated every single Tuesday. And then there's also links on the main candid page to my Instagram, my Twitter, um, my Snapchat. And I think it's nice to have everything kind of organized in a very clear way. So if people want to know, hey, you know, what's what's the life of Christina Custodi looked like this week, they can go and kind of see all those feeds in one place. They can watch the video blog. Um, it's just a way to, I, I really think that people are important. And I want to include my listeners in as much of my life and my experience as I can. Great. I, lo I love it. I'm looking at it right now. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful website, um, the way you have Thank it laid you. out. That's really awesome. Hey, um, we, we're going to need another interview because would you believe it? We've, we've run out of time and I haven't even gotten close to all the things I wanted to ask you. But That um, did go very quickly. Yeah, I had a great time. Listen, um, I just want to get everybody to please go to ChristinaCustody.com and check out her website. It's really beautiful and support all her music, her live performances, her wonderful songwriting and voice and uh christina thank you so much for being a part of the dharmic evolution it was wonderful to have you on the show today thank you for having me it was my pleasure do you ever wonder why you were created and what you're here to do then the geography of the soul will help you to find your true place in this world the music is so inspirational including tracks such as I Want to Be Loved, State of Grace, and Ride On. James Kevin O'Connor is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, music producer, entertainment agent, TV star, and a loving father who leads you to find your true place and calms your mind and soul in breathtaking ways. Buy Geography of the Soul today by James Kevin O'Connor at iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, jameskevinoconnor.com, Geography of the Soul, a beautiful CD that you need to own today by James Kevin O'Connor. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. for her fire high water wasting my time 
the musical world of Christina Custodi. You can check out Christina on the Dharmic Evolution website, now in 57 countries and growing strong, and we're very close to launching our very own radio TV satellite network that will put this show into 198 countries very soon. Yes, it's all happening via the James O'Connor Agency, an international talent agency designed to broadcast your global career. Stay tuned for all the details. You can now visit the site to find out all about the exciting work we're doing around the world. Go to the jamesoconneragency.com or dharmicevolution.com and check out your show and blog profile right now. If you've been on this show, you are on the site and people from 57 countries are logging in to see you. Yes, that's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery Ride on, ride on, baby, baby, you and I can find the key Ride on, ride on, we can unlock each other's destiny Destiny